Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the mystery of the jars in Guanabara Bay. Guanabara Bay is off the coast of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. There are more than 130 islands in the bay, a bridge spanning it, and heavy boat traffic. Currently, the ecosystem of the bay has suffered damage due to the pollution of the water from landfills, sewage, and oil spills. For the 2016 Rio Olympics, an effort was made to clear the pollution from the bay. But before that, In 1976, a discovery was made in the bay that doesn't quite make sense. Some lobster divers had been down in the bay when they spotted something very out of place. Around 15 miles offshore, 100 feet down, there's an area of the seafloor littered in artefacts that don't make much sense. The divers returned to shore and told people that they'd found some barnacle-encrusted jars at the bottom of the bay. Shortly afterward, one of the divers, Jose Roberto Texera, went back to the bottom of the bay and produced two of these jars. Upon closer inspection, the jars were found to be amphorae, a type of tall, tapered ceramic jar with two handles commonly used by the Greeks Phoenicians and Romans to carry all sorts of things during sea voyages. The weirdest part about the find was that it's believed that the first European presence in the area was around 1502, which was quite some time after the Romans. This discovery caught the attention of Robert Marx, a maritime archaeologist. In 1982, he travelled to Guanabara Bay to uncover more of the jars. Using sonar technology, Marx and his associate, Dr Harold Edgerton, began to look for more jars. Marx was sceptical at first, believing that the original jars were just a hoax. But they found something that looked promising, and Marx dove down to see what was on the seafloor. What he found in the murky and polluted water was incredible. Marx discovered 200 amphorae, some on the surface, some buried deeper in the seabed. The jars were covered with barnacles and muck. Some were caught in coral and some were completely intact, even considering how long they must have been down there. It was impossible for that many jars to have been planted at the time, so there was no doubt that these would be genuine. But the question still remained, where was the Roman ship? Well, Marx said that he had seen evidence of a wooden wreck in the water too. But that created even more questions. How did the Roman vessel make it all the way to Brazil centuries before the first recorded presence of Europeans in South America? Why was the voyage never recorded? What were they looking for? Marx wanted to answer some of these questions and set up a second expedition to the seafloor to uncover even more information. 
The idea was to find some evidence that joined some ideas together. A coin, a weapon, or a hull fragment from the ship would provide something sufficient to change history forever. Marx was quoted as saying, If authentic, it would be one of the most important discoveries in the field of marine archaeology. While Marx set up his second expedition, he had some of the amphorae studied by experts. He claims that everyone who looked at them confirmed that they were from the 2nd or 3rd century and of Roman origin. One specialist even said that they were similar to those produced in Kouaus, Morocco. Marx believes the jars likely came to Brazil on a Roman ship. He ruled out the idea that the ship was derelict and had just blown across the ocean and ended up there because the ship was found further up the bay and would have needed to navigate the rocks and reefs around the area. Marx knew it was an incredible find, but he was unable to look at his theories and solve it due to a number of setbacks. In 1983, the Brazilian government denied Marx's request to further explore the area, going as far as to ban him from the country. They alleged that he had stolen artefacts from wrecks all over the country and his involvement in the Guanabara Bay discovery extended into a full ban on anyone doing underwater exploration. Marx accused the Brazilian government of a cover-up to prevent having to change the established history of the country and accused the Brazilian Navy of covering the wreck and burying the jars in silt to keep them hidden. The Brazilian government denied it. It's been 40 years since then, and no more information has been found because of the underwater exploration ban. But Richard Marx still continues to be a big name in underwater archaeology. He has over 2,000 excavations on land and underwater credited to him. He's uncovered two of Christopher Columbus's ships and even helped discover Columbus's bones in a Spanish cathedral. He has been knighted by the Spanish crown for his research into Columbus's life. To this day, he still maintains the belief that a Roman ship managed to sail to Brazil and wreck in Guanabara Bay. fact remains that there are Roman artefacts in the bay. However, people have criticised Marx. Some believed he wasn't even an archaeologist, and one of the biggest criticisms was that he was only after treasure and glory and not seeking an understanding of new information. Kind of like an evil Indiana Jones. Jonathan Kirsch put an article in the LA Times pointing out that Marx created and exaggerated findings so that he could create a narrative that he wanted to present. Kirsch also agreed that the theft of artefacts from the seabed led to his banning from Brazil and the subsequent ban on underwater exploration for everyone in Brazil. The thing with this is that there's a story from the classical age which ran from the 8th century BCE to the 6th century CE, that tells of a Carthaginian merchant who set sail for a place called Antilia. The merchant's ship was seen off the Straits of Gibraltar, heading towards the Atlantic Ocean. 
As we discussed in episode 3, the Azores are on the way out into the Atlantic. But if the ship had gotten past the archipelago, the next thing it would encounter would be Brazil. The story goes that a Roman naval officer pursued this ship, but the merchant scuttled his own ship so he wouldn't have to reveal the whereabouts of Antilia to the Romans. This is one of the theories backing marks. If the Carthaginians could travel that far, then surely the Romans could. If they followed at a safe enough distance, they could have possibly found the hiding place of the Phoenician stores. No amount of searching for other angles, theories or evidence seems to give me any new information. It appears that it's almost forgotten or possibly removed from the internet. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that the history we know is incorrect and that the Romans got to South America hundreds of years before the Portuguese did. Even before that, the Phoenicians and Carthaginians could have been there too. For that to be true, Marx must have been correct in thinking that there's a cover-up going on. It's also possible that Marx did in fact steal artefacts from the seabed, leading to the ban from Brazil. But is a collection of jars really a link to a Roman ship, since nobody can go down and see the wreckage? At this point, there's a lot of strings to pull on this mystery. And without being able to dive, or even set up an underwater expedition in Brazil to have a look, we aren't solving this one anytime soon. For now, this one is a maybe, and I'm putting a big question mark above it. Today's mystery came from a Mysterious Universe article called The Mysterious Ancient Underwater Roman Relics of Brazil and an Ancient Origins article called Guanabara Bay Evidence. Did the Romans reach the New World before Columbus? The theories from today's episode came from those same articles and a book by Frank Joseph called The Lost Colonies of Ancient America. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, you can currently find me on Facebook at What The Heck Mystery Podcast, Instagram at WT Heck Podcast, and you can also support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Watch The Heck Podcast. Just £3 a month will get you access to the unedited versions of the episodes so you can hear all the mess-ups I make while recording. I would have made it lower, but the tiers begin at £3, so that was the lowest I could go. More tiers will be added as we go, and as I find more things to share with you outside of the episodes. If you want to pledge more than £3 a month, you're more than welcome to, and I'll have to find something extra special just for anyone who does. I've also set up an email address, whattheheckpod3 at gmail.com. I'd like you to send in your stories of the unexplained so I can read them out in secondary episodes. But if you have any issues with my phrasing or think some of the things that I've said are insensitive, please don't be afraid to let me know and I'll address them in episodes as I record them. The next episode will be out next Wednesday, so I'll see you then for another mystery. Thank you.